0: December 11 2020 is Wat for Pedro show. Rochelle happy Friday, brother Matt in the Love Grotto, a couple miles south. Because we're still in Quentin Quarantino mode, but I'm not totally man alone. Because through the amazing invention of those software engineers Estonia with their scab invention, I got Mr. Stephen Bernstein aboard from Nyack, New York. Welcome aboard, Stephen.
1: Thank you, Mr. Watt, and really an honor to be on your show. And I really mean that. Uh, you're
0: most kind, and we got to give credit right away. To Stevie Bono for making the connect,
1: he absolutely did. Actually, he said, though,
0: actually, though, actually though, Stephen, he didn't make uh-huh. he didn't make the connect with me and you because I met you many, many years ago.
1: Oh man, we I met you at some random like indie indie music like indie records guys roundtable somewhere, right?
0: I should tell the people what we heard. Uh, we start off the show with John Coltrane live in Seattle doing Tapestry and Sound. And then the Harlem experiment with Harlem River Drive. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can't even remember the name of that comp. But anyway, we've, yeah. been, uh, we've been musical uh, colleagues for, for a long time. But to be on the show, it's a big honor, Stephen. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, well, thank now, you. Now, I, wanna, yeah, I want the listeners to find out about your journey through music. So please tell okay. me your earliest musical recollection.
1: Well, the earliest stuff I really remember is the radio. Like a lot of people our age, man. I just remember like being in the back of the backseat of the car and like sing along with the radio. And when it's funny because no one's ever asked me that. All the fucking well, that's life, why you're on the watch
0: from Pedro show.
1: Yeah, <laughs> man. That's really the f- real first musical stuff is just listening on the radio and sing along to stuff.
0: Now, Stephen. Yeah, that's how it started. Steven, where was this car driving, and who was driving it?
1: Well, my folks were driving. This has to be when I was a little kid in, in Boston. My dad was i had just gotten out of medical school and I had his first job and yeah, we were living in Boston and that's kinda of what I remember. Like we had like one of those blue station wagons and back just there's the radio and you close your eyes and sing along, man. Now
0: my guess we were the singer. My guess, Stephen, it was AM radio.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> AM radio. I'm thinking I was born sixty one so I'm thinking like sixty five like four years old five years old,
0: okay, I was born in fifty seven so I'm a little ahead of you, but not much, so we're kinda of in the same uh, era right a m radio we gotta Definitely tell the, we gotta tell the listeners a m radio was a lot more yeah open in those days. there was all kinds of musics on it, right?
1: It could be anything it could be anything, yeah, um and then I there you know was funny, man. That was like this Peter Paul and Mary, like da 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 da. da. And it was like, and I just remember it's kind of scary. But that song, like, I always when that song came on the radio, um the answer, my friend, da 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 you da. you're <laughs> no, talking, going, about, you're talking
0: about their version of Bobby Dylan's.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, like, thinking that was, like, this cool kind of spooky sound. It sounded like the Civil War to me, for some reason. <laughs> I, mean, I can't believe you're getting this out of me.
0: Why? Well, somebody told wow. me once that uh, Bobby Dylan actually stole that from some Irish song, but...
1: You oh, know. he... Let me tell you something. I'm going to go... I'll do a quick Bob Dylan thing. I don't know much about him, right? I, I, I know a lot about him. And people always were like, man, you got to listen to Bob Dylan." All my smartest friends were really into Bob Dylan, And, you yeah. know, and I... You know, and it was like, did you ever ask, because I played with Levon for eight years, did you ever ask Levon about it, Bob Dylan? I'm like, no, why? I mean, he didn't talk about that stuff. And I don't really care. I mean, I know it matters so much to people, but just never sound, I understood that the words meant a lot to, the, to people, but I could never get into the music. And then I had a couple jobs, where I People hired me to arrange and perform his music. And then when you start to like take it up, for someone like me, when you start to take it apart, you see why people are so into it. But when you look at the forms I'm trying to get at, there's a lot of references to this Irish music, to kind of ragtime music. He would you know, I think he did that a lot. He would take some song he kind of knew and put these amazing, long stories to them. And
0: We can't neglect to
1: mention Brother Woody. Yes, right. It's, well, yes. Absolutely. I mean, he had a
0: myth going, but right. he was kind of like the fucking orphan son of him from the Dust Bowl or shit. Look, I want to talk about the pad you grew up in. Was there any, oh, musical, okay. was there any musical
1: instruments? There were not instruments, but my parents always had records. And I was thinking about that because I was thinking about you and thinking about the Minutemen and thinking about rock music because I, I came late to rock music and my parents were the kind of parents that had mainly like, you know, some jazz records they had, like Ella Fitzgerald sings the Duke Ellington songbook. Joe Williams sings "Count Basie Swings." Some Dixieland, but, 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 they but ha-
0: the point is, they were listeners and not really players.
1: Right, they were listeners.
0: That's yeah. important. That shit's really important. But I, I want to get at where you got on the fucking you know horn and shit. What about at school? Were you in the
1: marching band we, or the choir? No, we. Shit? I, I, I know. So I'm from Berkeley, California, and we didn't have marching bands because mm. marching bands were seen as militaristic. So I had this really amazing upbringing where... So
0: you... Uh, let me get this straight, Stephen. Yeah. Boston to Berkeley. There was a move. The family made a move.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in 69... In 68. In 68, my dad... I guess that the, the army had paid for his medical school, so the deal was when you get your degree, you work at, like, some sort of base, you know, for, for a couple of years to pay off your medical school. Yeah. And so he... So... You know, we were real East Coast Jews. Like No, no, everyone was from the East Coast of my family. You know, East Coast or the Midwest, the East part of the Midwest, like Cleveland, places like that. Just typical Jewish places of that era. And my dad gets this gig in Alameda where there's a Navy base. So, man, imagine this. My parents with their three little kids move in the middle of the revolution to Berkeley in 1968. Like, I went to Black Panther summer camp my first summer there. Oaktown. Oktown, let, let me
0: tell you about Alameda. My pop was stationed there aboard the USS Enterprise, and not the one with, Dude, not the one amazing. with Captain Kirk.
1: <laughs> no, I had one of my birthday parties on the USS Enterprise when I was okay. like, I don't, eleven years old. That's like my dad got us a little tour of the Enterprise. And okay, your my pop there.
0: was one of the machinists, made nine decks down in the engine room. Now this had eight, eight reactors. You know the new ones have wow. two reactors, but this was our very first new carrier, so they were just trying out stuff.
1: That, wait, uh, wait! I didn't know the Enterprise. Was, it was a nuclear. It was a nuclear. Wait, say that again.
0: It was our yeah. first nuclear aircraft carrier. She had a sister ship, which we called wow. the John F. Kennedy, but it was not nuke. It was a, still a diesel thing. So the first one is the Enterprise. She got retired a few years ago. CV-65. Right. I, I want to play uh, Valentino. <laughs>
2: i yeah.
3: Thank <laughs> you.
0: Pedro Show, we heard Sex Mob with Valentino. After that, Guy by Voice, Bob Pollard's got a brand new album. Another one. This guy, man, he can crank him. Time Without Look, and then 38 Angry Tigers, uh, DC area, Piano Ted, and the unit associated with his cat. Bomas Prendon with Silence. Carl M. V. Wow from Brighton, England with Apathy Truth. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Followed by Harper, Roos, and Saint George, which has got uh, this is from late sixties, kind of the era Stephen Bernstein here is talking about. Uh, Darby, no, Delia Darbyshire, big pioneer electronic music people, and then finally a Prince cover from Sex Mob, sign of the times. Back back to your journey, so. In, in school, there's no marching bands, but there might have been choir, and there might have been a jazz band or something. That's what we had. Okay. We had
1: the first integrated schools in the United States, and we had the first jazz program. So I started in the jazz band in fifth grade. So we started playing improvising, like not in jazz band, meaning we were improvising, not we played just some corny jazz style music. No, we were. They were teaching us to improvise in the fifth grade and to think using our ears and our. Um, Little spirits.
0: I'm curious, Stephen. What made yeah. you gravitate to what you started playing? I
1: just think that feeling when you're first a kid in your no, fifth I, grade. I mean, I mean, the machine, the actual. Oh, instrument. the trumpet. Oh, this is actually kind of interesting story. That we had gone back to Boston for one year. So fourth grade, I'm back in Boston, and it's a new school. And um, you know, you go to that like whatever, first week of school, there's an assembly for the fourth graders and they, they have like a slideshow. They say, Okay, this is the year we start band, and they have a little slideshow with the different instruments. And I saw the trumpet. And I think because back then so this has to be seventy nineteen seventy now, um, maybe early seventy-one, I don't know, but right in between those two. Um and right before then, Louis Armstrong had been on TV a lot because of Hello, Dolly and those little and Mac the Knife. I think really Hello, Dolly. And I think he made an impression on me, like as a kid somehow, like seeing him. So when I saw the trumpet, I thought about that guy. And I came home and told my mom, I said, listen, I think I want to play the trumpet for fourth grade. So my mom took me to the little music store. I remember we went to downtown Boston, went up the stairs, and she rented me a trumpet. Yeah, that's and how so it started. so you guys...
0: Yeah, but then you go back to California, and now you're in yeah. the Oaktown jazz
1: class with the trumpet. Yeah. yeah, with the trumpet. And the guy's telling us, oh, here's these three notes. Ba, ba, ba. He'd play them. We'd answer them. Ba, ba, ba. He'd play back. Be, ba, ba. We would answer. he go. Da, 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 da. we go. Da, 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 da. And we he taught us to play like that. You start to get this feeling like, oh, man, here's something I have, like, a little control. Here's something I can make happen. You know, it's all everything seems so out of control. when you're a kid; you don't know what's going on. Like, it sounds like, oh man, I can do this, and it's fun. And I just got the music bug, and it was just fun to do.
0: Now, you said you came to rock and roll late, so I'm imagining yeah. maybe after school, you don't do the thing like the basement band, the garage band, the bedroom band, because that's a, kind of a rock and roll thing, right?
1: so you're, you're well check this out what no. know check this out when summer there's a guy peter applebaum who i still play with all the time. who's on half my records and mom, a bunch of his records that he was one of those kids who was not just a, a prodigy but he had a good organizational skill for a kid, little kid he had a band and when after sixth grade he said well you sound pretty good here's four records to listen to Listen these four records this summer, and then I want you to be in my band come in September. And we had rehearsals and we played kind of like he write little charts and it was like a jazz funky a funky little jazz band. We played like the theme from Sanford and Son, and we played a little like a little jazz version of rock around the clock because was was that was like during the '50s revival, that was always on TV. we could play that on our horn. Like little, so, uh, the bass player knew how to play feeling all right. And I didn't even know feeling all right was. All I know is a bass player would play this bass line. If I pushed the first button down and then no buttons, I could make something that sounded good over it. We used to play that. We would play little parties for grown ups and stuff like that, and little school assemblies. And if they were opening up a, a new playground, we'd get a call and do the gig.
0: Now, across the bay there, yes, there was sir. a DJ named Sly Stone who put together a band, and he had a lady on trumpet.
1: That's right. And so that sound of that trumpet solo, I, I gave you one of the songs from MTO plays fly. So that very talk about Cynthia and that music, here's an interesting thing, man, most life things. You know, I, I didn't really, there's certain music you hear when you're a kid that just goes into you. So that, that really that music was from when I was in second and third grade, but it was on all, all the, wait, yeah, yeah, second, third grade, all the time. And then you've kind of forgot about it because life moved on, you know? And by the time I'm in high school, Sly's kind of off the scene and, you know, it's more like P-Funk and Stevie Wonder and that thing. And then I come back from college and Woodstock is on TV. I'm watching Woodstock and Sly and the Family Stone come on and I see play and I start weeping. <laughs> I start weeping, watching them. And I brought back these memories of being a kid and hearing that music and what people used to look like back then, and how they acted, and and then I got into this huge. And then when I got to when I started playing in New York, the album Fresh was very influential. Like ten years later, so I got into a huge thing with Sly, and and yes, Cynthia, and I met her once. And as you can oh. tell from the way I talk, uh, I have no trouble talking to people. I'll, I'll meet the most, and I've worked with the most most famous rock musicians in the world. And I, doesn't matter to me. It's like, dude, you're the most famous rock musician in the world. What the fuck do I care? It's like, you're not Duke Ellington. It's like, yeah, I mean, you're great. Whatever. I met her. I got so nervous. I was like sweating and... I met her at a music store, I had my, whole, my slide trumpet out, and her and Jerry were there. And I said, Oh, oh, and I also played the slide trumpet and I tried to play, I tried to I play the slide song, and I was so like I couldn't get I my breath wasn't right. And Jerry just looked at me, you know, because Cynthia, you know, Cynthia and Jerry got the message to say. Yeah, so yeah. Jerry says to me, Jerry says to me, Well, that kind of sounded like a slide tune. <laughs>
0: Now we we just lost her not too long ago. Yeah,
1: she I think two years ago she died of cancer. Yeah. yeah. Now, she, now she she one of, one of her daughters though one of her daughters was Sly for a while was leading the band and might still be leading some sort of band.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. Now now we got to fill in a gap, Mister Applebaum's yes, band in in high school or yeah, uh, it's on the West Coast, right? Right. Well, how do you get to New York City?
1: Here's the deal. So I'm the first son of a Jewish doctor, right? It's bad enough I want to be a musician, right? So, and I, of course, want to get to New York. And <laughs> that says to me. The deal. only way you go to New York is if you go to Ivy League school. So I was kind of smart. I mean, I was like a genius, but I got pretty fairly, fairly good grades. So I went to Columbia. So I said, well, that'll get me to New York. So I went to Columbia University. and uh, And that is actually, believe it or not, where I got introduced to rock and roll. Okay, tell me how. Because, like, so in Berkeley, you know, You can imagine Berkeley in the 70s. I mean, really, like, the music of our culture. There's only one high school. It's totally integrated. It's a big high school. And so it's like, you know, Stevie Wonder and P-Funk. And I'm sure there were some people listening to rock music. I mean, there were obviously people who would go see The Dead, but that almost seemed like a local band that people would just, you know, who liked to, like, trip, would go see on the weekends, you know. It wasn't... So much like I didn't know anyone listened to like the Rolling Stones or anything like that, you know. And you go to Columbia and you're with these East Coast kids, and they all went a lot of them went to these, you know, those uh, Andover, these like prep schools, and where rock and roll culture that's the thing. It's like the role everyone loved the Rolling Stones, and then the really smart people liked Eno, and people knew about the Talking Heads, and the first Elvis Costello record had come out. So you're hanging out with people at the beginning of school, and that's what's in their record collection. And saying yeah, you know, and people were playing like The Doors and all kinds of stuff. I and it's a funny story because it was call, obviously to those people's where I first heard The Minutemen, and I so I put that on. I was like, now that's him, <laughs> that I can relate to, man. Re-in- and I know. still don't know why I, I've been trying to remember what that moment. I remember the moment of someone playing me The Minutemen because you got these cool friends that had no different music than you do. Know. So they're always trying to turn you on, you know. Well,
0: starting with Buzzer How, we used a trumpet on the product, and then there's a couple on uh, Project Mersh. I think there's every song's got trumpet. So D Boom was really right uh, into that. But I want to know about you. Okay. In your
1: first rock band at Columbia. Wow! I, I had I was in a band called the Malibu Dolphins. Do you even know that that existed, or you just say that? I'm asking you, Stephen. You're the yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So there was a band called the Malibu Dolphins, and that's M I A L I B O O. And it was kind of like, you know, they're the whole. These guys were really into no wave. Uh, there was a guy who just played. You know, um, he had um, a, a, a radio amplifier, a record, you know, amplifier from your stereo, and he took it and made an output of it, and and he would switch it. It was like a si- sine wave instrument, you know. So there was, like, you know, two electric guitars on electric bass and this guy playing sine wave sounds. And they, when you hang out with them, they not only were playing me that kind of music, but they would also play, like, early rock music. They would play things like I had never heard, like Bo Diddley and Roy Orbison. It was kind of like these artifacts of the 50s, you know. And they are turning me on to all this music. And we played CBs, and we played, like, we, I don't know if you ever played A7. That might, I don't know if you got to New York early enough to do that. But, yeah, you know, Elf of we played land. Yeah, yeah. That you know, was we more played of a that, hardcore place. Well, it was hardcore and and punk funk. But like, yeah, or like I, we played like you know with the Beastie Boys when they were still a punk band. We did right, shows with right, them. Right,
0: right, right. And actually, A7 was big with Bad Brains.
1: Right, and Bad Brains were down there. So I'm and so I'm in that world, and then I'm in the East, and then that leads again to the East Village world where they're of course, and suddenly you're really connecting with like bad brains and those people but the first people that taught me about rock music really were were these people at Columbia who like that was their lingua franca man that was their thing They and like I said a lot of it didn't really like I'll tell you one man that took me 20-30 years to figure out how to listen to was The Who people would play The Who for me I'd be like I don't even know what I'm lit. Like, is this even music? Like, what is it? Can, is can I like... tell
0: you about the bass man? Did you know that he was a French horn player? And Pictures oh, of, yeah. Li- Pictures oh, now of now Lily has a French horn solo from John Antwistle. Look, we're at right. the f- end of the first hour. December okay. 11, 2020, Dishwap, Pedro show special guest, Stephen Bernstein. Hold tight for hour two. December 11, 2020, it's the second hour of the Wap for Pedro Show.
2: If it be your will that I speak no more, and my voice be still as it was before. I will speak no more I shall abide and tell Lions am spoken for If it be your will If it be your will That there is a voice from the broken hill And I will sing to you From this broken hill no your praises They shall ring and if it be your will To let me sing Let the rivers fill Let the hills rejoice
4: Every boarded up doorway, every bar fight, every want and regret, but sometimes the night and I walk home between broken glass, kicking cans over concrete, burning and rolled fags between terraced houses as they lean against one another, holding up sky, between the crossfire of conversations beneath 5am streetlights, a pause i breathe i can breathe sometimes the night and i make love behind abandoned flats where the cats sit in cradle dead pigeons and rats where the overflowing gutter reflects the underabsorbed sky a puddle of stars blurred by foot and vision lost to sunrise sometimes the night clings to my clothes thinking of whiskey and rain and God only knows I want this. Only they know. A moment so brief, so fleeting, morning dew. Me and the darkness are just...
0: shall we start off the second hour with Anoni if it be your will something live featuring Mr. Stephen Bernstein Sam Bennett after that from Tokyo show me the way to the river Sophia Safaram and Christopher Gregory, hearing some noise over there sometimes at night, private party Hoyne and Augusta from good luck no good fuck Big difference. Well, kind of. <laughs> Neutrals with Swiss. Love is of the essence from Tollum, and finally, family affair. That's some sly from the Millennial Territory Orchestra featuring. Oh no.
1: So okay, continue on here. So you you, you had to figure out the who, right? And 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 I did. And then, and then one day, like I, I was on the road, like you know, we were uh, driving. And with my wife and 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 I hear uh I can see for miles, and I'm suddenly like, "Oh, and now I hear this what this band is, and I went and listened to a bunch of records, it's like, okay, now I can hear it yeah, now I can hear what these guys are talking about,
0: yeah, but it was, it was so was... funny
1: because if you like if, if jazz is your language, if there's certain things that you expect to hear and you don't hear them, you don't have your like signposts,
0: of course, of course, but you know, I gotta tell you pretty condo, I could see for miles like one note. <laughs> yeah I'm here and here and near. it's yeah. pretty gato but you know some jazz went into that stuff the giant has a horse tabs you know when they got tired of all the chord changes they settled settled on some modal stuff and they absolutely these temas going right uh, b- b- uh kind of blue and this stuff so you know mute at, at the end of the day is it music just music and all these names are kind of burden?
1: Well, I totally feel that, you know, and I think, you know, I've spent my life doing that. And that it and it's funny as I'm getting older it's starting to like No, no, less a,
0: younger. Less younger, not okay, older. Okay,
1: less younger. Yeah. As I wait, way, as I have a, a lar- as I have acquired a larger and larger body of work through the years, it's kind of helped, I think, move the move move it along i honestly feel that because like our generation we started to say yeah it's just music we also have less obstacles and now it's really amazing with less gatekeepers it's not like there's a record store anymore where someone's going to go into the rock section or the jazz section or the oldie section or the funk section you know it's just kind of music that you can access as you wish almost and um so all that's really changing. And I, all, I had a very interesting talk with a great dr- older drummer yesterday. He, he really liked the thing I had to say, which is, a, I say, I, to me, almost all music is the same, except the drum beats change. Like, I don't see at this point really what the difference is between anything. <laughs> Close. <laughs> you know. It's like yeah, you know, it's just, what, what's the what's the drums playing? That's all. that, It's like that's what. You're playing or playing or or the maybe
0: drums? there ain't a drum. If you've listened to Dose, you notice there's no right. drums. But yeah, yeah drums drums are are fucking very very fundamental. But you know, yeah. get this. Some yeah. cat was telling me about uploading some music to their band camp page, and it said you had to pick some kind of category to define right. it. But, but hopefully, there's must be a. A choice that says nothing, <laughs> right? <laughs> Look, I want to play. Or, a, or everything. Or everything. Yeah, sorry. Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I was know, getting a little.
0: I was getting a little Buddhist on you there, Stephen. Yeah. I Look, was, I want to oh, play some know. diaspora soul. Okay. <laughs>
3: I'm calling 25. I'm
5: Mackie, how much did you judge? And that ghastly fire in Soho. Seven children ready uh, go. And the crowd stands mad. The crowd stands back the night
0: Off from Pedro's show. Start off that chunk of music with Diaspora Soul, one of the uh, Steven Bernstein's projects. Annie Mammon. And then, I hope I pronounced that right, Jerome Parker I- Wells out of St. Louis with Try It Out. Sporadic Spontaneous with Dusty Receiver. Hellbat. That's sax man, flute man, Vince Maroney, but he likes to play drums. He did a pair of pliers with me and Tom Watson, and that's his project. Immer. DC Area with New Tribes and finally Mac the Knife, which is Spanish Fly featuring Nick Cave. Bobby Darren had a big hit with that.
1: Oh yeah. Good. Bobby Darren's arrangement on that is so hip. And know what? Check this out. Bring it. I I think that might be a Jack Nietzsche arrangement. I gotta look at my Jack Nietzsche book stuff, but I get oh no. No, it's not. It's that later one. He had he had another Bobby Darren had another hit, which kind of did that same thing with the raising modulations that um, that Jack Neetze did for him. I'm sorry. So he maybe Jack Neetze didn't do that. Are You I, a Jack Neetze man? I think he did Harvest. He absolutely did.
0: In a barn, his, right? In a barn and maybe yeah. raped uh, somebody's girlfriend. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and he did a lot of things like that. Too. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I, I I'm obsessed with him. And whenever I go to L.A., I ask people... I shouldn't have brought like, that up. I shouldn't have brought that up. No, no, I was a little dirty. Yeah. But, um, yeah. But it's funny you said you were going to go Buddhist on me because of nothing. And my trumpet teacher, who was an older, one of the older trumpet players in New York, he had been working... He had replaced Harry James in Benny Goodman's band in 1940. And he did... Whoa. He spent the summer of 40 or 41 and with Benny Goodman's band at the, what it was called like Palumbo beach, this famous yeah. Palomar beach, something like that. And all the actors and actresses would come and he started studying Zen with Suzuki, the guy who brought Zen Buddhism to America. So, um, and he went on this incredible career where he was at NBC radio when they were doing all the original radio shows. And then he went to NBC television. He did, you know, all the perry como show and steve allen show and the tonight show and patty page show he, but he was a bit of buddhist like ever since his 20s and he would give me buddhist books after the lesson and to, he said just i said what do you do with the buddhist book he said just you know if you're out in the bathroom or something just you know open it up and read a page or something like that whatever and i'm like young and i'm just questioning everything i said i don't know man i anyway, i open up a page and it says it says buddha is a dry piece buddha is everywhere that Buddha, God is everywhere. Buddha is everywhere. Uh, uh, Buddha is a dry piece of god of dog shit. And I was like, now this I can relate to. Okay, now we're talking about it. If you're really going to be say Buddha is everywhere, God is everywhere, then yeah, God is a dry because it's everywhere. Well,
0: let's so, let's yeah. let's enlighten the fucking because Buddha means enlightened person.
1: Right, right. The main one of the main devices.
0: It's called the Cohen, yes. and what you just uh-huh. described there was a Cohen, one of the most famous Cohens is if you see Buddha on the road, kill him. Right. Now, these things, what I, uh, um, uh, I mean, this ain't about your journey of music, but maybe it is. No. But, but, yeah, maybe in some ways. But what it means is it's a riddle that ain't supposed to be answered because you'll defeat the idea of it because you want to be wondering. You want to put your mind into wondering because that's when you're really awake.
1: When you arrive at an answer, you go back to sleep. Right. Yeah. I, I Searching, is, searching is, is, that's it. That's the journey, the search.
0: Now, John Coltrane said, and this is one reason why I play him always, all my shows, 19 and a half years, I've been doing what for Pedro show. He said, all musicians are after some kind of truth. He says, musician yeah. can tell when something's phony. Yeah. And I always dug yeah. that, Stephen. I always dug that.
1: Yeah. No, and I, I, I really appreciate that you start every show with John Coltrane. And I, But I think it's a beautiful thing about our generation that we were able to have that as a early source of light and inspiration, how lucky we were to like that, like, the, like reverberations, like even Coltrane was right before us in a sense. He reverberated. I was thinking about that. Like when, when I moved to New York in 79, Jimi Hendrix had been dead for 10 years, but he was still like reverberating through New York. You know what I'm saying? You could feel it. And Coltrane's the same way. Coltrane left the planet, but <laughs> that when we were coming up, he wasn't on the planet, but his reverberations were so, so strong. It was so
0: strong. When Pettibone played him for me for the first time, I thought he was a punk rocker. I thought he was an older one, but I thought he was actually a punk rocker.
1: Right, right. <laughs> he that's unbelievable. Me,
0: uh, he played me uh, Ascension.
1: Oh, well, yeah, I mean... In a sense, it's all coming from the same place. I thought it was you know, like I, the germs. <laughs> yeah, the germs. Steven,
0: we're at the yeah. end of the second hour, December 11, 2020 edition. Watch we'll Pedro Show, You special guest. Hold tight for hour three. December 11, 2020. It's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro Show.
6: <ISS> me like a rain to guilty, my mind leave me alone, my teeth all rotten, my lips start to foam cause I'm so guilty. Guilty, guilty, oh guilty, what did I say? What did I say? Did I do? Did I ever do it to you? Don't turn your back. I can't look you in the eye. 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 I guess I'm guilty as charged. I guess I'm guilty as charged. Guilty, huh? Hey! <laughs> a child a willful child guilty what can i do i do it to you but i do it to me too
2: See you strike a Kung Fu post It's not ninjitsu, not a kid, not karate It's Kung Fu dance all Not you that do, tell me what you up to In a de club a do de dance all Kung Fu Watch a old woman in a de corner, she a get rude In a de club a do de dance Kung Fu In the club, I do the dance all kung fu. Watch the old woman in the corner, she'll get rude. In the club, I do the dance all kung fu. Hey. Give me two chop hey. and spin around pan your toes. Make me see you strike a kung fu pose. Hey, it's not ninjitsun, not do not taibun, not karate. It's dance all kung, kung, fu, kung, fu, fu, kung, fu. Fu. kung fu. Kung fu. Kung fu. Kung fu. Kung fu. Kung fu.
0: for Pedro Show. Start off the third hour with Guilty. Lou Reed featuring Ornette Coleman. Tragic comedy after that with Jam Number 4. Fat Gandalf with the cover of John Lennon's Cold Turkey. Finally Lee Scratch Perry with Dancehall Kung Fu. People, you ain't hearing I'm, I'm playing these musics right at the beginning and end of each chunk. They're all featuring Stephen Bernstein, but his name ain't in the names of the bands. Tell me about this thing you got into being an arranger.
1: Right, and it was one of these things I always kind of naturally did it. I didn't really study it or anything. I mean, I took one class in, in college, but the funny thing what happened was my very first recording in New York was uh, with this band Sahib Sabib in the multinational big band. It was a very like kind of large avant garde band, and um, Butch Morris, who actually was from L.A. too who was a great cornet player and, and writer and arranger. Uh, someone I met when I was young and when I got to New York, you know, I re-met him because he had lived in the Bay Area when I was a kid. And I had told him that I liked this one band that he played with. And he said, man, why don't you just, I haven't been playing the horn a they have a record date, why don't you just go to the record date? So I'm like 19 years old, I'm, I'm living, it's the summer, I'm living in a dorm on Columbia, at Columbia. And uh, I just show up and I say, yeah, Butch Morris told me to come to the, this record date and it's like all of like the avant-garde scene younger east village avant-garde scene and you know uh and roy campbell uh, ahmed abdullah david sulson and lee rossi and that's like this crazy scene and uh but i kind of having grown up around that kind of music i understood it I fit in and this guy uh dave sulson the baritone player, and again, these guys are maybe they're six, seven years older than me, but when you're 19, it seems like a lot, like you know. And he was in a cab, and the cab driver was a Haitian guy and said, Hey man, uh, you have a horn with you. Could you do horn arrangements? And Dave said, No, but I, I I think I have a friend who does, and Dave called me and said, Hey man, this cab driver gave me his number. He said he needs a horn arrangement. Can you write a horn arrangement? And I said, Sure, I can write a horn arrangement. So the first horn professional horn arrangement I did. Was for a Haitian, a Haitian record, a compa record, and uh, and then I realized I had like this natural thing, like I just knew somehow how to, in my head, like I played enough arrangements, it made sense to me how you would do it, and then in my bands, and then people just and started, and I was working with John Lurie for a long time, and I was doing his arrangements for him for his movies, and to Hal, and then I realized because I had grown up among these. Guys who loved rock music, and how Wilner would always want to uh, you know have horn arrangements, but not all the arrangers could feel the rock like they didn't have a love for the rock music, and I had learned to have like a real love for it like it it, it existed in the same pl- pl- part of my soul, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when I was even so I like now when I heard Lou Reed, like I knew what was beautiful about Lou Reed, even though I knew it wasn't Duke Ellington. It didn't have to be. It it shouldn't be. It was Lou Reed, you know what I'm saying? And so I was able through Hal to start working with all these people and then more people knew I could do it and I ended up being a, a person people would call saying, knowing that like I want I could bring something special to rock music that comes from the jazz world without like like superimposing something that's not supposed to be there.
0: Well that's trippy. Yeah. How do you know it's supposed to be there?
1: Because I can feel it. Ah, okay. <laughs> you know okay.
0: What I'm oh, okay. So you're saying, like, kind of a intuitive sense.
1: Yeah, I can intuitively feel like what's supposed to be there. It's not like, I think a lot of people, like, who are, come from the jazz world when it comes to arranging for rock music, they don't, because they don't have the love, you know what I'm saying? They don't, you have to love it. You have what, to what, love what, it. What, what,
0: I'm curious, Stephen, what's your take on the Dan?
1: On who? The Dan. The Dan, I don't know what that is.
0: Donald Becker, uh, Walter Fagan.
1: Oh, Steely Dan. No, Walter well, Becker, Donald yeah, Fagan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, so here's a funny thing. Like, I know I have a lot of friends who have been in that group, uh, and are in that group, and I know I know um, Donald Fagan pretty well. I've done recordings with him, and I know I'm through Levon. He's Amy Helms' stepdad. I've hung out with him, you know, gone. Actually,
0: do, uh, Donald Fagan is with the ex-wife, uh, right? Former wife. Right.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. He's with Levon, Levon's, Levon's Leva, Levon's Well, girl, I don't know if they were ever married. I don't know if she was ever married, but she's Amy's. Yeah, she made Libby, Libby Titus, amazing. Then actually, she was Libby, and then Doctor John, and then with Fagan, she's been with Fagan forever. And uh, and she's an artist too. She made a record. Um, anyway, you know, I I always tell people, and even Donald Fagan, I know when I talk to him, I said, man, the funny thing is, like, I don't only steal Dan records because. I never had to because it was you I mean, just heard it on the radio all the time. And, <laughs> and like, why would I do and, and he laughed because he knows like, you know, again, like even though I'm a big music guy, like it's been like slow getting into everything. And, and I really like Steely Dan. I just never owned any of their records, but I've heard him so much. And um I've, like I guess I have all these friends who play with them and um I got one of their records, but I know how great they are. Okay, I was
0: wondering to... because they had some pretty rock and roll guitar. I think Rick, oh, Der- yeah. Rick Derringer plays on Countdown Ecstasy. I want to play those something to switch gears. Mary okay.
1: and Faithful. <laughs>
7: you I sit in my chair And filled with despair There's no one could be so sad With gloom everywhere I sit and I stare I know that I'll soon In my solitude There's no one could be so sad with gloom everywhere. I sit and I stare. I know that I. I'm afraid Dear Lord above Send me back my love
0: Pedro show last music for this edition, Marianne Faithful with Solitude. Mike Cooper with miniature number ten. Then uh, Tatsuhisa Yamamoto with Ashiato two because we heard one last episode. This is the other part of it, and finally, the Millennial Territorial Orchestra with Darlin Nikki. Yeah, where can people find you on the internet, Stephen?
1: Uh, Stephen Bernstein um, and then I'm, I'm on Facebook and I'm, I might have a... Oh I'm man, a four- have, I been,
0: have I been pronouncing it wrong? Yeah, but that's cool. Because over there, usually the E-I, over there in but, Europe, the E-I is ein and the I-E I is ein.
1: I know, it's so funny. I, I thought it was, sometimes with some people I say something, but the way you talk, it's so poetic that it made sense <laughs> with the rhythm of, of your talking. So, and Henry Butler, who I had a band with for eight years... He, and he knew me for, for 30 years. He heard everyone else pronounce my name. He and and he would always and he pronounced it on trumpet. Stephen Bernstein. Yeah. And finally, I said to him, Henry, no, I can't pronounce it Stephen Bernstein. He goes, yes, but the German pronunciation is Stein. <laughs> and I said, I said, Henry, my family's not from Germany. No.
0: no, but you gotta understand, Stephen Yiddish has got some German
1: in it. Okay. I know, but my family, my family, I have no... I remember, understand, no, no,
0: no, you got the right to pronounce your name any way you want. I mean, why does my name have two Ts, what? Right. To make what? sure it's ended? <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, it's just the way it is, so I, I apologize. Yeah. That's so, okay, so, so So, people, dot ncom Dot net. Dot net, sorry, sorry, yeah. dot net. Yeah. Yeah. To find yeah. information... Because this man has got so, he's knee-deep in the shit, okay? Music, music, music. It's it's beautiful what you're doing, really. And what's your plan you. right now? You're probably doing a lot of composing, maybe trading Well, files. here's the
1: deal. I mean, you know, I was one of those guys who, during one period of my life, I I made a lot of records. You know, back when, you know, you get a little money and make a record. And then when it got the whole thing about paying, paying for your own record and asking other people, I kind of... Didn't make that many records. I still made records, but not as much. And then I got uh, a beautiful grant, and I recorded in the studio for four days, thinking, "Well, I don't really know if this needs to be a record. I just want to document." And I decided to put it all out. So I'm going to have four L- LPs coming out on um, on Royal Potato Family of, of Millennial Territory Orchestra, Millennial Territory Orchestra with Cat Russell singing, Hot Nine with Medeski and Arturo Farrell, and then another Millennial Territory Orchestra record, and then Sex Mob and Scotty Hard got back together, and we made a new record, so I got that record's gonna come out, so I like five records I'm working on, and then, you know, so it's a heavy lift, I've just been mixing and thinking and, and processing, and I'm lucky enough to, you know, I have a low overhead, I live a pretty simple life, my wife has a gig that she can do from home, I get a little unemployment, so basically I'm living like a Fairly beautiful artistic life right now, man. Where like, there's no business to worry about. There's no gigs to get to. There's no anxiety about gigs you do or don't have, and so you can just focus on positive things. And I and I know the world's going to hell, but that I I can't do much about that. It always has
0: <laughs> been. It goes through cycles, you know. But this vaccines yeah. coming. We gotta yeah not be totally insane about it. No, it's been a big no, honor to have you on the show. Thank and we, Watt,
1: get to, really, when, I can't wait to uh, play some music on stage with you. Next
0: yeah, time. but also when these albums come out, why don't you yes, come sir. back on the show so we can play them and talk about them? Let's do it, Watt. Thank oh, you, yeah. sir. That's awesome. Absolutely. People, it's been the December 11, 2020 edition of the Watt Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.